Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Want an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news and trends in the NBA? Listen to the NBA Daily Ding podcast Monday through Friday. Wake up and turn up the NBA Daily Ding to stay informed on all things NBA here at The Athletic and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Athletic NBA Show. Monday through Friday on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Tampering. We're just a beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. With Sam Panic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. To be able to bring uh-huh. people together. Do, at the center of an NBA investigation. Into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong. Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. Very <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about them. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I didn't tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast. I'm Sam Amick, NBA national writer here as always. Today on the pod, we are diving into all things Lakers, all things Warriors, all things playing tournament. We got some chaos going on in the Western Conference. We got two guys here who are the experts on both fronts. Bill Orem, rep in LA, my friend. You got you got sunglasses on today, William. What is what is the story here? You know, listen, it's it's a podcast, not a video cast. The people didn't need to know that I'm wearing sunglasses, but oh, they because did. I'm on a they Zoom did. with you, I was playing it for laughs. But now we have to like we have to let anybody have to let everybody else in on on uh, on on the on the on the things that I happen to think are funny, which everyone else will just think, what a, what a loser. So thank you, Sam. Appreciate appreciate us starting it off on that. That was, that was the worst delivery of like, I said it, put it on the tee for you. It was good off-camera humor. You had a great line before we jumped on about how the Lakers would you like me to, so would you like me to say it again? Would you like me to say it again? I'll say no, it. No, I'm just going to steal your material. If you're going to if you're gonna shrink like a violet when I put you on stage, man, that's you not You put me on stage, style. you put that's me on not... blast. All right, fair enough. You do look like a, a, a guy out of, you know, kind of leaving Las Vegas or something. A little Nick Cage vibe. Looked like you had a rough night. Got the hat. Got the scruffy beard. Uh, I'm always happy to see you, Bill. We also have Anthony Slater, Warriors extraordinaire. And and once upon a time, kind of like, you know, also Lakers coverage, uh, kind of fly-by-night guy who, who knows the Lakers very well. Mr. Slater, what's going on, brother? I know these two upstart small market teams very well. Just trying to crawl into the play in and, and fight off the Suns and Jazz, the big market Suns and Jazz. Actually, let me I'm gonna correct you there. These two incredibly valuable franchises, but one slightly yes. more valuable than the other. According to Forbes, the Golden State Warriors are marginally more valuable than the Lakers. And and as friend and colleague uh, Mark Spears of the Undefeated tweeted Earlier today, that's not something I thought we would ever say. So Joe Lacob, I'm sure, is enjoying that little nugget. Uh, don't you think, Slater? I think Chase Center might have something to do with that. The uh, 
the building of a massive cash cow on the water of San Francisco, which, by the way, is reopened uh, with fans. And it's been Sam. Are you ever going to make it down? Sam? <laughs> I'll get there eventually. I was, you know, I don't know. See, you guys were giving me a hard time off the air again about about uh, how I was saying a few positive things about Zoom access and. Of course, I want to be back in the locker room, but that's not happening yet. So every time I think about driving down the road, especially, I mean, Slater, as you know, the, the Warriors games for me are about <clears throat> about three hours round trip, three and a half hours. So the idea Excuse me. of going all the way down so I can, I mean, I can have your company and that would be a, a highlight of my day. But beyond that, the incentive is is just not there yet. Yeah, um, they're hosting some games this week that matter. The Jazz and Suns are both in town. The Grizzlies next Sunday might be for the play-in, uh, or for the eight seed, I should say. And then right. they probably, you know, I assume they're probably going to be going down to like Staples or something for the play-in, but that's something big. Well, let's, let, let's jump off there, because this play-in stuff, man, it, it's such an interesting conversation. Um, you know, the league goes to this format. They obviously did a different version of this in the bubble, but first time we've got... Seven and eight, nine and ten, um, and they, they couldn't have written this script any better and, and in a more compelling way. So long as it ends, you know, with a certain uh, ending to the to the story, but but disaster might strike for the NBA here. They've got some of their biggest stars uh, kind of compromised because Bill, your Lakers have obviously had a really tough time keeping their head above water with all the injuries. And for anybody who hasn't peeked at the standings lately, just to break it down there we got lakers as we record on monday sitting at 38 and 30 uh right ahead of those warriors 35 and 33 uh and if you don't know the format seven would play eight and the winner of that game would move on uh to play the winner of nine ten uh you know seven and eight only has to win once to to advance the, lo- the loser would go down and play the winner of nine ten correct did i say that incorrectly yeah, yeah okay. you said the winner you have a future as a copy editor thank you brother um, but yeah, like the, <laughs> the Warriors Lakers thing, Slater, I'll throw it to you because you had such an interesting moment with Steph Curry the other day, uh, on a zoom call, you asked him a, a question that you were well aware how obvious the answer was, but you wanted to have him address it, which was, do you think the NBA might enjoy a Warriors Lakers play in from a, you didn't say from a rating standpoint, but that was the inference. And Steph just stared at that camera, shook his, you know, shook his head. Everybody knew what he meant. Like, you know, of course. Uh, and and the Warriors would love nothing better than to knock the champs out. Um, it's it's just kind of pretty wild like, how this. I think they might like Portland in there if they were being honest. Um, I don't yeah. think they necessarily want to see the Lakers now. I mean, the the fact that it's 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 a kind of a free swing, and if you lose, then you get the winner of what'll probably be Memphis, San Antonio. Which, by the way, the Warriors are not secure in eight at all. They have a kind of a clash against Memphis this week to even try to be eight. But um, you know, it's interesting for, from the you know the the topic we're talking about. I, it would strike a perfect balance for the league if Warriors Lakers are you know that you get that showcase game in the play in. Lakers move on, and you know whoever loses that game still does move on, and you still get first round series for. Uh, the Lakers and Warriors but like you said one of those two is going to be at risk of elimination and the shocking thing is that we're actually I mean and and I know we're about to swing this into a larger Lakers conversation this is what we thought the Warriors life was going to be this is what we've talked all season like they are a playing team like which seed might they get and they get Uh, more dangerous the the closer they get to that time that's the thing that makes it even more interesting is is they've become that team you don't want to play I mean Bill, we got to get you to dive in, man. Like we've been reading your coverage, and you and I talk pretty consistently. But and I know it's harder over Zoom to take 
a pulse and get mood and everything. But uh, what's kind of the, the you know the mood and the level of panic over there? Because this is not the spot that they thought they'd be in, even with all these injuries. Yeah, I wouldn't describe it as a level of panic. It's it's been kind of interesting to watch the Lakers sort of um, evolve to embrace the the reality of their circumstances over the last couple of months. You know, because when Anthony Davis got hurt, they were they were right there in the in the hunt in the Western Conference. I think they were only a couple of games back at first when LeBron got hurt a month later. So there was a real sense, you know, even in mid March, that the Lakers still had a chance of, um, you know, being the one seed. I remember. They got kind of within a game of Utah right before LeBron got injured. And we asked him about it. He's like, listen, that's not a priority of ours, you know, but if it's there, why not go get it? And so now you fast forward a month and a half. They're down here toiling at seven and they've had a pretty um, healthy perspective on it, which is, you know, if we can get healthy, you know, we believe that we are a team that, you know, that no one wants to face and that we are. Um, as good as anybody at full strength. The problem is we haven't seen them at full strength, but, and I, I wrote this today as part of a, um, a thing about LeBron potentially returning this week. At this point, there's much more evidence that the Lakers are not a championship contender this year or that they can't repeat than that they can. That said, like they are a terrifying matchup in the first round or, you know, really at any point for, for a team, you know, like look at Phoenix having one of the great years in franchise history. Um, Chris Paul's an MVP candidate and your reward is potentially um, as, the, as the two seed to face the Lakers. I mean, that is a terrible draw for them. And I think the Lakers feel like, you know, LeBron is kind of the guy you can sort of count on to to be himself when he comes back. And AD's finally hit his rhythm. You've got some other issues. You've got issues with Andre Drummond and, and kind of so forth. But um, I think all things considered and considering the setbacks they've had this year, they feel like they're in decent position and a lot better, by the way, than a week ago. If you'd asked me this question after they lost to the Raptors last Sunday, I think we were all kind of ready to close the book on the Lakers and, and, the, and their season. And They've had a couple of moments since then. You know, a nice win against Denver on the heels of that loss to the Raptors. Obviously, they lost, they got blown out by the Clippers. Then they had a close loss to the Blazers, which has basically cemented them at seven. But then a win last night against the Suns. And I think that that one was, you know, that was probably their best win against a contending level team, you know, certainly since the injuries. And it also helped illustrate where the Suns might have some trouble against the Lakers. So, I mean, there's certainly some sunshine in the Lakers' uh um, future at this point, at least th- their outlook is a little sunnier than it would have been a week ago, which explains the shades, Sam Amick, that you don't have on anymore. I was going to say, if you're going to drop the puns, you got to throw them back on. I also don't love how you, you don't lean into your puns in, in real life, in real time, like you do on Twitter. You need to be consistent because on Twitter, that would have, my been wife would disagree with you. And abs- well, yeah, that's fair. Well, in that moment, I just wasn't feeling it. I just, I'm just saying, get that coffee in your veins. Slater, I did a a podcast with Bill last week, and he was throwing shovel on the grave, and and two regular season wins, and he has he has flipped the script. I think the and I think this is what I this is this is where I land on the Lakers. I don't think they're winning the championship this year. I think that too much has happened, and I think it would be I think it I think it would just be you know. Pollyannish to say, oh, they're going to win because they have LeBron and AD and that's the best two man combo in the league. And therefore, they're going to be fine no matter what happens. Like the regular season matters. Continuity matters. Like having LeBron and AD miss a combined 60 games needs to matter, I think, in, in, in this league. That said, if there was a team that can kind of throw it together or throw it against the wall and win some series and then hope things get weird. I think it I think it would be the Lakers and LeBron. We saw him take the Cavs to the to the finals out of the four seed in 2018. Completely different situation, completely different conferences, um, much tougher matchups along the way for the Lakers. But you know there was a moment a couple weeks ago or 10 days ago 
after one of their losses where Anthony Davis was like, you know, at the end of the day, we're still the defending champs. And it was like a light bulb went off in his head and he goes, yeah, we're the defending champs. It was almost like he was having that realization in real time that they kind of needed to start acting like they were the defending champions and stop acting like, you know, the victim. And I, I do think that they have started to embrace that swagger and mentality a little bit more since they got leveled by the Raptors. Wasn't last night part of that? I'm watching that game last night thinking that this is the time of year where the mind games start. Uh, it felt like a message sending game, like you said earlier, and you're right. The idea that Phoenix was out there, I believe, at full bore. I don't think they were missing anybody of consequence. Cam Johnson? No, oh, Cam was out. Okay. Jay Crowder is the one that I, every time they don't have Jay and then they lose and people don't mention that they didn't have Jay, it drives me crazy because he's been really good for them. But Cam's had a good year. But nonetheless, you know, nothing compared to what the Lakers have been through and are going through. And they go out and they handle them. And that's with Chris Paul on the floor and Devin Booker having a really tough night. I know it got to the line quite a bit, but he just wasn't playing like himself. Uh, that felt like one where from Phoenix to the rest of the field, the thing I think the Lakers still have on everybody is that, you know, in other years, I think we would have more teams with more continuity and more experience that would be a threat to a team like the Lakers, a reigning champion. This year, man, it's just all over the map because Milwaukee, nobody ever trusts because of their history. You got Philly that's trying to make it happen, but they don't have that elite history. If you go out west, the Clippers, to me, are the only squad that if you finally start believing that they've figured out their own internal stuff, you could make an argument of, okay, that's the group that will upend a team like the Lakers based on the experience that is supposed to matter this time of year because other than that... It's a total kind of just throw it at the dartboard experience. You got Brooklyn, which we don't know what to think about. We got Phoenix. We got Utah. Everybody's got holes in their argument. Um, AD, though, specifically, Bill, how huge was it to see, you know, the last two nights, the way he's played? He, he has that turnaround dunk off the lob last night mm -hmm. where he screams, I'm back. Uh, it seems like he's found himself. And like you said, that, that championship mentality again. Well, it's been interesting because like AD hasn't been himself all year. You know, you go back to before the calf injury, he's only averaging like 21 points a game this season, which is his lowest since, you know, his second year, I want to say in New Orleans. So, I mean, he really hasn't been at the level he was in, at, was at in the bubble last year. And best player you know, in basketball in the bubble, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was, he was incredible. I mean, he was, I think, I think, I think, you know, you would objectively say he was the Lakers best player throughout that entire playoff run. You know, LeBron which is would LeBron. probably make but, him the best player sure. in the playoffs. Sure. We were talking MVP coming into the season. You Absolutely. Know? And, Absolutely. And the funny thing is, it was flipped. It was like, although, you know, LeBron ends up getting the high ankles brain, but coming into the season, we were talking about like, you know, very short layoff, right? Remember the, the, just because the offseason was so Give short LeBron the rest, let AD carry yes. the load. Yep. Yes. This is the this is setting up to be AD's MVP season. And it almost seemed, seemed like he, he leaned into the idea of, oh, you know, this short offseason, I've never gone through it. Um, and, and it was flipped. Like Davis was the guy early on, like even before he goes out with the Achilles issue, he wasn't very good like defensively like that was a big issue early in the season and then LeBron carried the load obviously LeBron has the freak accident um but yeah I mean where where I've can understand that your opinion on the Lakers has flipped over the last week is, is purely Davis right I mean we're talking like it's a team thing it's really just Anthony Davis kind of looks like himself for the first time all season looking for an assist with your credit card but you can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 U.S. based live customer service from Discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. 
Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Well, and, and Anthony Davis playing at an MVP level is enough to tra- tra- transform a team's prospects in the postseason. And and you know the last two games, he has you can he's wanted it like he has really wanted. It. You've seen him be ultra aggressive. He's gotten to his spots like he's his timing has looked way better. Um, you know, last night I just you know people were making jokes about it on Twitter like like. Uh, Anthony Davis love love seeing you dive for an offensive rebound, but please never hit the deck like that ever again. But I mean, right? In, you watch those final minutes. The Suns were making a run, and they had a couple a beating couple Chris Paul to a loose ball. By the way, sorry right. for interrupting. And but they, like, had a, they had a couple. That, they, they, that's Chris. They had a, the Suns had a couple of threes um, that would have brought it to five. Like there was a chance that the Lakers could have blown that. Like it was it was it was a little bit tense. And the fact that he's hitting the deck, you know, on that play you're talking about, like a little bit of a tip out offensive rebound to secure an extra position, a possession with 90 seconds left in that game, um, just ultra playoff intensity, um, chasing, running back to get the, the 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 block on the three on Jay Crowder from the corner, and then and then that led to the reverse lob dunk, and it it just was it was play after play after play. Um, CP knocked him into the boards at one point. I mean, it just was like from from AD, it was just an unbelievable. And he kept getting up. You know what I mean? He just kept getting up and making another play. And whether it was getting to the line, you know, he shot 15 free throws. To me, it was just a, a, a really um, determined performance from AD. And and he hasn't had that sort of um, mindset really throughout this season. Like, it's it's kind of like he's been waiting for the right time to, to get to it. And I always question, like, well, if you're waiting for, like, the right time, are you going to be able to turn it on when that time arrives? And you know, we've seen it. He, I think he's been back for 11 games uh, since coming back from the calf, the Lakers have only won three of them. But um, his performance over these last three, I think, is more important than the results. And you know, if he, if he's, if this is, if this is AD for the rest of the way, and then LeBron comes back and is, you know, LeBron, um, you know, the Lakers are not going to are not going to go away meekly. Which a week ago, I thought they were kind of they're kind of trying to evaluate their spirit and and the way they were playing and approaching games. Kind of felt like they were going to fold. So here's where I I'd still would be waving, maybe not a red flag, you know, call it a yellow flag, whatever you want to call it. But AD being back is huge. LeBron, we'll see how he feels. But Bill, you and I have talked at length, you know, over the course of the past year or so about, okay, the old iteration of the Lakers when it comes to the others, as Shaq always likes to call them. I trusted last year's team a hell of a lot more than I do this year's team. And and I think all three of us have similar wiring when it comes to covering the game and the players that you pay very close attention to you know, state of mind of each player, where each player's at in their career, you know, connectivity humanly between the group. And so on the Lakers front, you know, I'm thinking about, you got a, a Rajon Rondo on the team last year, a Dwight Howard, guys like that, even a Jared Dudley, who's such a good spirit on the bench. And you had this idea, this mentality that, okay, even even though the whole basketball world has crowned the Clippers unofficially, we're going to go out and, and, and kind of flip the script and win this thing. And so they did that. Now, man, I got all kinds of questions that I want you to dive in on about the role guys, because you've got the big man situation that you wrote about really well recently, you know, with Montrezl Harrell, Marcus Gasol, Andre Drummond, 
you know, all three of them seemingly equally discontent, you know, not that they're saying it every night, but nobody's getting the kind of minutes they would truly like. Nobody's kind of getting the kind of touches they would truly like, but it doesn't end there. I mean, I'm looking at the roster right here and it's like, as far as where each guy's at, okay, Dennis Schroeder didn't get the extension he wanted thinking about free agency. Kyle Kuzma has been a great soldier and been compromising and changing his game. But there's part of me that kind of says like, I don't, and he's obviously now, dealing with a back injury as well. But I don't know where, you know, what kind of where Kuz is at in the context of this whole group. Um, they just don't seem to have this unity in terms of shared mission. I know that sounds overly simplistic, but I feel like that what could get them in the end is during the postseason, where are their heads at? And, and can they really come together in the kind of way they're going to have to? I think what's going to be interesting is if they don't repeat or if they don't make a deep run, like we're going to have to go back and look at the decision the Lakers made in the offseason to completely you know, rebuild that supporting cast, you know, the decision to not, right. not bring back Dwight, the decision to um, take a different tack with, with, with the big men to, to, um, you know, to go get Marcus Gasol and embrace, you know, the spacing and the playmaking that he brought and kind of give up on the, on the, on the verticality and rim protection that you had with JaVale and Dwight, um, you, you know, to, you know, there just, there, there was just so much turnover for a, a defending, cha- for a returning champion. And especially with a short off season, I wonder, I mean, listen, we all sell, we all thought the Lakers, had a home run of an offseason. They got better on paper, no question. But there was always in the back of my mind, with a short offseason, how valuable could that continuity have been if you could have just kept it together? They would have been old. That would have been that was an old team that won. And I think that that was what they were trying to avoid, you know, kind of you know, getting into a rut and, and just running out, running out of steam. And so I understand the, the thinking there. But, you know, there was a lot of new, there were a lot of new pieces coming together that had to coalesce with almost no practice time, no training camp. And then you end up with the injuries that that make it even harder. Dennis Schroeder has talked about even before the injuries and before he obviously went out with the health and safety protocols that he was still figuring out where guys liked the ball, where guys you know wanted the ball on the floor. And we're talking like 30, 35 games into the season because there hadn't been practices. And so that's different. And, you know, the one that I think, you know, again, we don't know how to evaluate this yet because we haven't seen him with LeBron and AD over an extended period of time. But the Andre Drummond addition has really been the fly in the ointment for the Lakers season, I think, where you look at the way they were playing with Marc Gasol before he went out with the health and safety protocols. He ended up catching uh, COVID in the middle of the season. I think they were 21 and six with him as a starter. And then they, you know, Andre Drummond hits the market. Uh, Gasol's out with with COVID and you try to reinvent the wheel a little bit. You've got a guy who comes with a really high profile, you know, a lot better in the counting stats, you know, big, big rebounding numbers, um, you know, been an all star. And and you get kind of seduced by that, I think. And and the question and is, didn't like, you report that that part of Andre's coming to, to town was, yeah, he had to start. That was part to me that that jumped off the page when I read that. I mean, that's politically that's a problem. Well, and you don't. You, it's not like you went and got Andre Drummond for depth, right? You like if you if you were like we're going to have three centers, we're going to stick with our rotation. But you know now we have now we have this now we have the guy who is is big and and can protect the rim and go get rebounds and is it you know helps in different matchups. You you've you've basically you know thrown a wrench in the a wrench in the gears of your big man rotation. Um, Marcus All was not happy. He seems to have embraced it a little bit more. He's playing now. He's played the backup minutes in the last two games. But now you've got Montrez Harrell, a guy who you know has talked very openly about you know his you know issues in his personal life and like his own um, you, you know his own uh, just what that he's going through a lot. And then you take you know basketball has kind of been this refuge for him. And now his like minutes aren't reliable. Like, I think he's kind of a guy who you have to be careful with, um, on the, on the, um, 
I don't know, I don't know the right word, but like you, you have to make sure you're taking care of him too. So there's a lot of really delicate factors for the his Lakers spirit? with their big man rotation. What you're yeah, his spirit. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I just don't know if Andre Drummond has been good enough that you would say that it was all worth it. Like I don't know that he has made the Lakers meaningfully better in the way you would have expected. But again, how do you know when you haven't seen him with LeBron and Anthony Davis? But you know, I mean, he has. Yeah, it's it's I don't know Slater. I'd be curious for your your your, yeah. your input here on on Drummond because it's it, it just hasn't been a difference maker. But also the Lakers have been in total total chaos. But they it's just they also are just way better with Marcus. The offense is so much better with Marcus all on the floor. Yeah. it's just night and day. Uh, honestly, I think come playoff time, come you know, let's say they're in Game Four of a, of a first round series with Phoenix and they're down two one. I trust Frank Vogel to just play the right guy. If he's starting Marcus all over Andre Drummond and that that. Uh, I guess hurts Drummond's feelings or makes it um, less likely that Drummond will be there next season. I think Frank is, Frank Vogel showed during last year's playoffs he'll do it. You know he was he was flexible. That's like he had a really good playoffs coaching last season. Not only just with you know series to series and, and in series scheme adjustments, but it was like. Um, JaVale McGee would randomly be starting. Then he'd go to DNP. Dwight Howard suddenly became a huge part of the Nuggets series and his minutes went up. Okay, he makes less sense in the Rockets series. No Dwight Howard. And I think Frank Vogel will do that. And, and I and I think they, I mean, I know, like they obviously promised Drummond the starting job because he wouldn't have come regardless. And to them, he was the, the most high profile, best player on the market. Um, but I think when it comes down to it in the playoffs, they're not going to care about that promise. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But I do think that last year's group, you had the kinds of individuals who were more likely to buy in and embrace those roles where you had Dwight Howard, who, you know, kind of reinvented himself and and kind of really became sort of this like dirty work, do anything guy, you know, wasn't on an NBA team by August going into that season. I mean, the Lakers were kind of his redemption opportunity. Um, and, and, you know, JaVale McGee had kind of been through it similarly with the Warriors, so he kind of knew what to expect. The personalities are just a lot different. I mean, Marc Gasol, you know, prideful guy, has started his entire career, um, you know, Hall of Famer. All of a sudden, he's is, is he, he going to be benched for entire series? Montrez Harrell, reigning sixth man of the year. And then Andre Drummond, who still views himself as a superstar. I think the personalities are are make it a little tougher this year. They're different, but the situation is somewhat similar. We're like, Andre Drummond's Agreed. kind of trying to revive his value. You know, and Montrez Harold didn't get the payday he probably thought he was getting in free agency. He won't. to me the big question. You know, we're talking big man, and I know we've talked a ton about the big man. You know, on, our, on the Forum Club, the podcast we do, Bill Schroeder is supposed to be their third guy, right? I mean, he's the one they really spent their valuable tool this offseason, which was Danny Green's uh, contract in a trade plus a first round pick to get him, and. I believe you and Jovan have reported offered him like a pretty big money extension that he turned down. Now he's head, heading into the playoffs, obviously believing he's entering a payday, but he's like, when's the last time he played a game? 
I mean, it's been a week, maybe. I mean, I th- the question at this point is whether or not he'll be back in time for the um, for for this weekend uh, against the the Pacers and Pelicans. Frank Vogel said that there was some hope that he'd be back, but you know, obviously, we haven't talked to him about about his his circumstances. But you know, it's a ten to fourteen day window. We generally know what that means, so you think there's going to be at least some sort of you know time for him to get con- his conditioning back up. It to depends get on how right. bad like, of a, you, an experience he has. You just you. I mean, you can't just take the ten to fourteen day window as gospel with 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 those circumstances. So, I mean, it's it's all over the map. I cover a guy, Damian Lee, who um, just announced. You know, he had coronavirus. He's like still getting over some brain fog. He's gonna have to get a chest scan this week. Like he doesn't sound close, even though he's now negative of coronavirus. Like he doesn't sound close to a return. So, like you said, you don't know with that. But you know, Schroeder, I assume, is gonna push himself to try to get back onto the court if he can because he's. One of the, I mean, Sam, you're doing um, free agency rankings. Schroeder's considered what, like, where did yeah. you put him? Where'd you put him? We, we, so he slid into our top 10 because some other guys had, had kind of fallen off. Um, but it's a fascinating point guard free agency market where, yeah, if I'm Frank Vogel, you know, I'm watching Dennis real closely to kind of make sure that in the first round and the second round, if they make it in the playoffs, that he's not thinking about his, his bag and his and his kind of cheddar rather than the team because you got the Kyle Lowry's, Chris Paul's. It's like this point guard market with a bunch of old heads that are still playing at a high level and guys that are going to get paid. But if you're Dennis, you might have an opportunity to just kind of slide in there and say, okay, but I'm four years younger than this guy. Uh, I play both ends of the floor. Uh, you know, he's smaller than other than CP. You know, he's one of the smaller point guards on the market. And so, you know, it's one of those point guard markets where I think the the uh, the gap between the guys that really get paid and who end up probably having to take whatever's left over is going to be – in their game is really small, but in their contract is probably going to be really big because there are only a couple teams that are really going to pay. And then a guy like Dennis could be in a tough spot, all of which could enter his mind as, as they're trying to get through the postseason. They were willing to trade him at the deadline for Kyle Lowry. He knows that too. That's – right. You know, that's a part of this whole mix, too. That's what makes his situation very interesting to me. Well, and then Lowry comes in and, you know, st- you know, pokes a stick in the Lakers' eye on Sunday in that in that game last week. You know, and obviously that was the first day that Schroeder was out with the with the protocols and LeBron ends up getting hurt. So there was a whole lot going on that day. But, I mean, right. uh, that's Lowry That's when Bill started shoveling dirt. That was the day. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, it's like last night you're watching the Lakers and it's like, or you're just thinking about it. It's like, what if we look back on this season they're like, you know, the Lakers wouldn't trade – to Taylor Horton Tucker for Kyle Lowry, you know, like, I mean, in five years, we'll look back on this, like totally different than, than you did on, on at the, at the trade deadline. It's just a, it's just, it's, you just never know in real time, like what the right choice is. All right, Slater, let's throw it your way with, with your dubs. Uh, we don't obviously know if the Lakers and Warriors are going to meet in that play in game, but regardless, the Warriors of course we are, know, of course we know yes, that's going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. Adam Silver is not going to get any sleep the night before that game. Um, you know, the, the the Warriors are interesting to me because they keep, for one, like having Oklahoma City on the schedule a couple times late in the year has has created this opening where, I mean, listen, Steph's scoring on everybody, but all of a sudden we're getting more near 50-point games out of Steph. We're getting a Warriors team that if you just glance at the box and you see a 39-point win, you feel like there's a, an element of dominance there and, and danger for a team like the Lakers. I think the I'm Kings still having, might have just beaten the Thunder by about 30 points. So. That's exactly the point. So, like, the question would just be, because you're watching them closer than anybody, um, what do you think of them collectively right now and how dangerous you know they, they might be going into the play-in and then 
We just got to talk Steph, man, because whether you talk about Steph in the context of MVP or or just you know legacy and career, I know those are overused scoring terms. Title. Like, scoring, scoring title. Scoring title. Well, all right, let's go there. So I looked at this today. Unfortunately, this incredibly epic scoring race that has been so much fun just kind of took a hit because Bradley Beal has got a hamstring problem and is out for two games. Um, I think I was sleeping on the fact that because it was so close between Beal and Steph for the title, the, the gap between the two of them with Steph in the lead for the past six weeks uh, is is bigger than I realized. If you go back to March 29th, uh, Steph Curry coming in at a cool 37.2 points a game to Beal's 31.6. I mean, he has been on one all year, but this past stretch in particular has just been historic stuff. Uh, what are you seeing? They've gone small. Uh, you know, the Wiseman injury is kind of a pivot point in their season. Um, they leaned into the veteran identity. They took some of their other younger guys out of the rotation, and they just went for it because their second overall pick was no longer there to prioritize development. And now they're playing this spread style, and he's jacking up, uh, you know, 23s a game sometimes, and he's making them at 50% or better. I mean, he's made... Since the start of April, he's made 136 threes. I believe the next closest guy in the league is at like 80. Um, he just made you know 96 in April, which was 14 more than anybody's ever made in a calendar month. Like he has, you know, he's taken this stuff to just another level. Um, I, be, I mean, I could keep throwing wild stats, but I, I think five out of his last 15 games, he's made 10 or more threes, and nobody um, in history has. I think Clay Thompson is the next most of making 10 threes in a game he's done it five times in his entire career so it's just it's it's crazy stuff but at the Warrior, same time you, i'm sure you saw this but warriors pr man ray raider had an interesting tweet the other day basically quantifying the fact that a, a no hitter was more uh was was less of an oddity than than a, a 10 three-pointer yeah. game and it's obviously a little bit apples to oranges but underscoring the fact that what steph is doing is is just something we don't see you know what it reminds me of, though? It reminds me a little bit, you know, it's it's an even really more impressive version of it. But remember Damian Lillard in the bubble last year, Bill, when, when Portland was just like needed to win every game to get in the playoffs and Lillard was just going on these tears. I think he had a 60-pointer at one point and he just, you know, clutch moments. And, and at the time, the Lakers were kind of, they were the one seed, but they were kind of just floating into the playoffs without any stakes. And the thought going in was like, wow, have you seen Lillard? Like they could really scare the Lakers. And then you got into the playoffs against a good veteran deep team that schemed it up. It was really physical with Lillard. You know, Damian still had numbers, but like they were just, you know, it was a really kind of like a one man offense against, against a team. And that to me seems to be where this Warriors thing is going, where like this is a moment for Steph Curry. This season has been a moment. I mean, um, you know, he's going to get the scoring title. He's, we don't need to talk Curry legacy, but like what he's done this season has cemented himself as what, like probably a top 15 player ever. Um, but at the same time, if we are just talking about this season's team, they're thin. They're playing an eight-man rotation that includes you know a two-way guy, a couple of like you know more fringe NBA players. They're about to bring Jordan Bell back, by the way, Sam Amick on a two-way as they <laughs> yeah as, baby Lakers great Jordan Bell as yeah as they convert um, JTA to a uh, full roster spot. But they're just they're not to me. Even if they get through the play-in, they're they're gonna, probably going to face Utah or Phoenix, which by the way they're facing the next two nights. Um, and 
yeah, I mean, in one point you'd say, oh, if you're for Phoenix and Utah, you don't want to see that Warriors brand. You don't want to see Curry for, you know, 10 straight days because he might just like have a have a crazy streak. But at the same time, they're just, to me, not deep enough to, to realistically believe they're going to threaten a, a team like Utah in a playoff series because you could just you're, you're just going to tire them out and they're thin and short. So maybe not in a playoff yeah, thin and short. Uh, so but that's where it's interesting, right? Like the playoff series, I agree with you. But you're talking about Lillard and how the one Blazers, the, the Lakers yeah. really, the Lakers had them figured out. You know, the Blazers won game one of that series. The Rockets won game one of the, ser- of, of, the, of, the, of the second round series. And, you know, that's why like with the Lakers, you know, LeBron might have two, maybe three games under his belt. I mean, I suppose four if he plays two back-to-backs coming off the injury. But, um, you, you know, this team is not going to have a lot of continuity. And then you have to go look at a red-hot Steph on a one night only sort of affair. And, you know, it, it's just, that's where the play in is so interesting. Like I expect the Lakers to get through the play. Aisha and, did and not like how get, you said that bill Steph on a one night only sort of affair. That's that took my mind a completely different place. That's slander. Let's not, sorry. Sam's having quite resist. the morning. <laughs> I said, I got derailed. I apologize. Go ahead. Stop staring at me, bill. You're now judging me for my stop bill. What do you put your glasses on? What are you doing? The one thing about the play-in, the one thing about the play-in is, um, <laughs> you know, if if you're in the seven-eight, you it's it's a free swing, and and to me, like from a Warriors perspective, even if you don't beat the Lakers, you're going to get a home game against probably Memphis. You know, first of all, they have to play Memphis Sunday to even face the Lakers, but um, you're pr- like, I. I I think the Warriors are probably going to get through the play, and my I'm more I was more talking like you know if they do get no your point on a series is legit. I mean you know even obviously uh, it's not going to be a Lakers thing, but a team like the Lakers, Bill, you've seen their defense all year long, and and to your points later, those kinds of defenses, which to the Lakers' credit, they still have that level of a defense, even though they're bringing up the back end of the standings. But the Utahs and the Phoenixes uh, are are going to schematically be able to probably handle. Steph and and he'll you know like you said like Damian was was around that thirty plus mark but it didn't have uh, the overall impact. Bill, you shook your head on the defensive front and maybe I'm guilty of not. I mean they've been dropping games. Is that defense falling off the cliff a bit in the past couple of weeks? It, it it did over that stretch when they were losing games when they when they lost six out of seven. I mean it got to eight out of ten. I, they've gotten it back a little bit. You know they obviously against Denver they were um, you know pretty pretty impressive. Um, held Denver under under 90 points. I don't remember what the number was, but I mean, it was a you know they really they really locked in on Jokic, and so I you know I I think the Lakers defense is going to be fine, but I'm just saying we've we've seen it we've seen it uh, take a, take a hit and swoon a little bit. But I mean I'd have to look. I think they sell the do they sell the number one defense? They have they're tied like, with throughout Philly. this whole stretch. Which yeah, by the way, okay, so like but I mean after after two months of having their you know two most important yeah. players that they've been able they've been able to maintain that and that they've only slipped into a tie at this point is is pretty incredible. I think a testament to you know, very various factors, but I mean, starting with Frank Vogel. Yeah, I mean, uh, not having Davis to the Lakers, you would think would be like the Jazz not having Gobert, essentially. And and yeah, they've stayed afloat. That is impressive by Vogel. But to be honest, like it, Davis has to be Davis defensively in the playoffs for them to actually have a like top level playoff defense because that's very different. No question. All right, gentlemen. Um, I think I'm going to let you go on that note. We talked Lakers. We talked Warriors. We uh, we made Adam Silver a little bit nervous. Uh, that made all the rest of us excited. Uh, I would love to see it. I uh, you know I would love to see it more in the arena, in locker rooms, back to doing what we do. 
for a living, uh, CC Adam Silver, but more more on that some other time. Uh, but thank you guys for coming on. I appreciate you. Can we talk about Sam? How you hold your mic like Draymond? Can that, can that be part? <laughs> can that be a part of the podcast? Like you're just it's you're just sitting chill. here like letting it fly. It's a little well. It fly. It's Dirk Nowitzki to me. Remember when Dirk after playoff games used to do that? It's Jokic. Remember Jokic and his playoff moment when he he couldn't I'll, I'll recreate when he went like this and then and then just threw the thing down and Bill's now filming me. Bill, you have an innate ability to make me uncomfortable on my own podcast. You're doing a great job. Before we get out of here on this podcast, can we talk about hot, you know, Sam Amick writing steaming Nikola Jokic columns? That was... Uh, I don't normally get triggered. Uh, Bill would probably disagree. I get triggered too often in my normal everyday life. But um, I <laughs> uh, I looked at Twitter the other day, and it's funny because, and, and Andrew can decide if we leave this on the pod. I don't know if we're still going or not, but... Um, yeah, Nick Wright at Fox Sports, I, I typically enjoy quite a bit. It doesn't mean I didn't enjoy you know, what he had to say the other day, but specifically, he not only was talking about Chris Paul for MVP, but on the Jokic front, had made a statement that historically Jokic would be the worst MVP in the last 35 years. And uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for, like, I think what got under my skin is the general premise that that we could ever evaluate a modern day MVP in the scope of history. Now, if it's LeBron, fine. Guys like that who are near the back end of their career, fine. But um, I think what it showed, whether it was Nick or anybody else, and and I, I will say it, like this is more of a main, main, mainstream media thing, is that people have not paid enough attention to Jokic's first five seasons. Like that's all there is to it, you know, because for anybody to act like this is an out of left field product of the pandemic season MVP candidacy uh, is just completely off base. This dude was fourth. Was it fourth a couple years ago in MVP voting? Maybe third. Um, You know, he's been in the race before. He's doing things that certainly no big man have ever done. Will Chamberlain, like I mentioned in the column, had that one season, 67-68, where he basically decided to go show the world that that he could lead the league in assists, and, and he did but that wasn't part of his game consistently. So, yeah, I'm just not really here for the Jokic slander and, and the idea that, that he's kind of you know doing a backdoor entry here on uh, on the MVP race. He proved himself in the playoffs last year, too. He took – you know, it was him and Murray, but, like, he took them to the West Finals, deep in the West Finals. You know, he kind of – that was probably the biggest scare the Lakers got um, in the bubble. I mean – I mean, you, you you can argue that they were that AD, you know, game-winning three away from b- being down 2-1 in that series. So right. it's just... And he's also... I'm, I'm a sucker also for the... Okay, statistically, historically, every way we measure impact, he's leading the pack right now. You then have an incredible, whether you call it narrative or just the story, this dude has been a leader this year. This guy could have given up on Michael Porter Jr. Instead, he's been a leader as a veteran with him gotten some of the best along with Michael Malone out of Michael Porter Jr. Jamal Murray goes down. I mean, how you guys know this, the way a locker room functions, when a player of Jamal's caliber goes down, you know, the other guy who is an alpha male in the locker room, in this case, Jokic, sets the tone. So if, if Jokic would have come in and acting like, all right, well, that's a wrap because, you know, none of y'all are as good as this guy who we just lost, then the Nuggets would slide. Well, instead, they won 10 out of 12 and and Jokic, you know, took it to another level, and other guys around him played well too. So I love his MVP year, um, and, and I think he's well deserving. And it just I don't like the idea that you can already tell that it's getting framed as if there's going to be some kind of asterisk, you know, tied to it. 
that's going to happen too if 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 Utah wins the championship or if you know if Phoenix wins the championship. It's going to I feel like and it would have happened last year in the bubble if someone other than LeBron had won the championship. If, that's if, the if thing. It wasn't if LeBron, LeBron wins Lakers, it again, then it won't happen this year. Then it's going to be how incredible and and I mean that's a good. It's, point, it's just it's just it's it's just it's just a double standard that you know that we live in. It's it, it's almost like you know Jokic winning it once or the Jazz winning one championship. It's like now you've got to go do it in a subsequent year. Right. You know, winning doing it once in these circumstances isn't going to be good enough to convince people that it was legitimate. But that is a conversation for another day. Indeed, indeed. Next week, Sam, we're going to be having playoff matchup conversations. Play in. Um, you know, I was just looking at where Denver is. You know, they'd be in a four or five with Dallas. We could be talking about that series. It's a great series, by the way. Absolutely. All right, Bill Orem, your future is bright. Keep those shades on, brother. Thank you for joining us. Mr. Slater, as always, appreciate you. See you, boys. Thanks, guys. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.